Welcome back everybody. It is good to be where we're supposed to be, especially on a wet and windy day like it is today. I have to apologise to you all because in last week's um, episode I said that it was the third episode. In fact it was the fourth, so this one is the fifth. And thanks to all who contacted me via email. Uh, and this week's subject comes from a listener who asked for the following subject. However, before I give you that subject, I am going to play you a piece of music. Well, it's actually a song. And I want you to just enjoy it. No matter what you're doing, I want you to enjoy and listen. Listen to the words. Allow the words to create in you something new. Talk to you afterwards.
Isn't that a beautiful song? That is called Walk Beside Me. And it is done by, I don't know who originated it, but it's sung here by Celtic Woman. A beautiful version of it. What I'd like to do is ask you to remember those words as we go through the next couple of uh, subjects. Um, the reason is because we have to be with ourselves. We have to walk beside ourselves so that we can be ourselves. However, we have a tendency to either go before ourselves or after ourselves, trying to keep up. So just remember those words as we pass through the next couple of subjects. And the first subject is the implications of abandonment and how that relates to our lives today. Where can I start with this? As it's like that ad that we used to be on the TV some years ago, in fact it might still be on, where some guy is talking about a tin of paint and he says, holds it up to the camera and he says, it does exactly what it says on the tin. Well, abandonment does exactly that. It does exactly what it says. Living with being left alone. And in our adult life, we can have a strong fear of losing loved ones because of abandonment. This fear of abandonment is a form or part of anxiety and normally begins when we're quite young. It can also happen when someone who is being fostered or those who've been adopted, they can have an extreme level of abandonment. It can also have a huge impact on our life and our relationships. This fear of abandonment is never a, a standalone mental health issue like depression. But it is more a form of anxiety or phobia. Now in adults some signs, well, they can include wanting or needing to please other people. Giving way too much in relationships. The inability to really trust people. They can push people away to avoid rejection or the possibility of rejection. Feeling insecure is another feeling that people with abandonment issues can have. Also, a need to constantly have reassurance that people care about them or persisting in relationships that are basically unhealthy. Moving from one relationship to another. And of course you have the basic a lack of emotional intimacy. Or even going so far as to sabotaging relationships. And all because we might feel abandoned. Or that we're going to be abandoned. In fact some people who have experienced abandonment in childhood. Actually can be drawn towards people who treat them badly. And will leave them ultimately. This then would reinforce a person's fear or distrust of others. Now, there are symptoms, although they vary from person to person. Here's just a few that are kind of the common behaviours. You can have eating disorders, addictions. You can lash out at people, either verbally or physically. They can self-harm. They can withdraw from people or society. We can spend a lot of time focusing uh, on somebody else's problem. We have sadness, maybe difficulty in sleeping. Now, the obvious cause for abandonment is a loss of a loved one. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean 
that they have died, although that would be part of it. They could have been divorced or separated or adopted or in foster care. Then you have the emotional abandonment where the significant caregiver is present physically, but not present emotionally. And with those who were in foster care or have been adopted, they can have a feeling around rejection, especially if they've lost a significant caregiver near their birth or within the first five or six years. Because there's always a question as to why they were placed for adoption or taken into care. What was wrong with them? That their caregivers or their parents didn't want them. That's a normal thought pattern, especially for a child who doesn't have the vocabulary to be able to say, I'm afraid, I'm scared, I don't want to be alone. And there's also another thought around loss for those who feel abandoned. And it's as we get older. And that is the loss of what could have been. What would life have been? Now, remember, fear of abandonment is not as such a medical disease. So a doctor can't diagnose a person having it. However, a therapist will usually recognize a person who is showing symptoms around anxiety and these beings from feelings of abandonment. Of course, an anxiety disorder may be diagnosed if a psychological evaluation is done. A therapist may also, in some cases at least, diagnose what is also called a separation anxiety disorder. Where somebody has been adopted, issues can arise later in adulthood around identity and self-esteem. And that is why the treatment for abandonment issues are dealt with in general by a therapist. Because during therapy, the person can and usually does look at and explore their abandonment experiences, including the root cause of their fear. They can learn how to catch any negative thought pattern and hopefully replace them with more realistic ones. Exploration of past losses and grief can be done also with respect of an absent parent or caregiver and work towards lowering the mystery around abandonment. Also in the therapy sessions, the person can learn how to establish healthy boundaries within relationships, which will give them the possibility and even the probability of avoiding codependency or people pleasing behaviour or even any other problem that can hinder the formation of a healthy relationship. Now, there can be an opportunity where if a person's anxiety levels are high or severe, then medication might be the way to go. It can be very helpful, like an anti-anxiety pill or an antidepressant. Now, these can be used as a short-term solution until the person has gained a healthy control, both around the issue itself that caused the anxiety and for their behaviour. So it's a win-win situation. I don't know why there is such a stigma uh, towards antidepressants. Because once you get the dosage right, hell's bells, you, you're in control again. We all know how challenging it can be to help somebody with abandonment issues or anxiety issues. Because more often than not, People with anxiety or abandonment issues will try to push people away when they feel challenged or when they are vulnerable. Now, there are some techniques that may be a little helpful to people in managing these abandonment issues. 
such as practice self-care. And that includes exercising on a regular basis, eating healthily, you know, reduce your stress levels in your life and get enough sleep. Stay connected to people by building a solid friendship and getting involved in the wider community. In other words, don't isolate yourself. Make time for hobbies that are that you enjoy, that are enjoyable to you and creative, either on your own or with others. But it's about being creative. It's about getting out of your head. And if all that is difficult, get some outside support. Go to therapy. Won't do you any harm. Abandonment or anxiety raises the stress levels. And I'd like to take a look at, just for a few minutes, stress. So how do we define or explain what stress is? I mean, we all know what it is. We've all felt it. But what does it actually mean? What is it? Well, it's the degree where we feel overwhelmed or unable to cope because of the pressure we feel with certain issues especially with emotional issues or situations that are unmanageable. It can be seen as an emotional or physical tension, so to speak. We also know that it can occur for or from anything in our life or even from our thoughts where it can make us feel frustrated, angry or nervous. Stress is a very common and normal feeling or sensation. And there are two main types that I'm aware of anyway. And the first one is called acute stress. And this is a a short-term stress that usually leaves very quickly. For example, if you're driving and you have to slam on your brakes, you know, all of a sudden. Or that you're doing something for the first time, like skiing down a slope. It can help you to manage dangerous or, or new situations. Everyone has or in the past have experienced acute stress at least once or twice in their lives, if not more. Whereas the second type or what we call chronic stress, this lasts much longer and usually for a number of weeks or months and possibly longer. For example, if you've got money problems or an unhappy relationship or some form of trouble at work, So at the ground level of stress, it's really the body's response to pressure. When we meet stress, our body is stimulated to produce stress hormones. And it's these that can trigger the four F's that we discussed in an earlier podcast. The flight, fight, freeze or fawn responses. And they can really activate our immune system. So much so that that is why we actually can respond so quickly in dangerous situations. Now, in this way, stress can be appropriate or even beneficial. There is, however, the side where stress becomes or can become excessive and too much to deal with or to manage and can actually hinder us from pushing through something and can make us feel overwhelmed or unable to cope. So what makes us stress? What makes us get to that degree of anxiety? The simple answer is, how long is a piece of string? Death of a loved one, 
divorce, separation, loss of a job, unexpected money problems. These are just among the top causes. But there are so many more. So many things people are, are triggered with that find it so difficult to cope. And we know where that can lead. We know it can lead to depression. And ultimately, we know where depression can lead. So what are the signs that you or somebody else is stressed out? How would anybody know that you're stressed? Well, here's a couple of pointers. One of the things would be people would notice a behavioural change. You may become isolated or withdrawn or may not sleep properly. You may become irritable or tearful. You may also get more aggressive than normal. And you may even interact differently with family or friends. Now, not just behavioural changes take place, but also they can you can suffer bodily changes when you're stressed. So, for example, you may have more headaches than normal and they may last longer. Your breathing may quicken and where you sweat more and you even start to get palpitations. Some research has actually shown that some can develop irritable bowel syndrome or what is commonly known as IBS and even stomach ulcers. Your eating habits may change and you may even find that you're less pushed to exercise. And here's the kicker. Your memory can also be affected. So who can be affected by stress? Short answer, everyone. No matter what age, no matter what group you're in, no matter what gender you are, what race you are, we all suffer stress at one time or another. However, each person will have a different level of stress. Let's say you're trying to get out for work in the morning and there's everything going on. The kids are running around the place or you got up late or so the stress level starts to rise. Now, for some people, the stress can be so overwhelming that it just creates a problem for the rest of the day. And other people in the same situation might fly through it. You know, it doesn't matter if they're late or what, you know, or they might manage everything and get everyone out. It depends on the person. And it depends on how they see stress and how they behave out of it and how what they think about it. There are other groups of people who may find that they experience life situations more stressful than others, like um, the LGBT group because of fear of prejudice or discrimination, um, like those who may not have an awful lot of money, stress about paying bills every day, whereas those with money wouldn't have that same stress. And even those with mental health issues may experience stress due to the stigma associated with their condition. So we all suffer stress in different ways. Now the problem with chronic or ongoing stress is that it is possible for you to go on to develop the likes of high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, obesity, depression, anxiety, skin problems, period issues, strokes, migraines, ulcers and so many other things. There's another side to stress that you must remember. And that is the psychological side. Now, there is a good possibility that you know now that we have mentioned it, that stress can be both negative and positive. Positive stress is also known as eustress and can be beneficial. However, 
the negative stress can cause anxiety and concern and it will decrease our ability to act positively. It is also very uncomfortable and will lead to more serious situations and issues if it's not addressed. Psychological stress comes from a feeling or of emotional strain and pressure. Stress in itself is usually caused by external situations or something related to situations outside of ourselves. However, emotional stress can be triggered by external situations, but it will always revert internally. So, for example, if there's an increase of demands at work on my time, then that's the external stress, obviously, because it's a crease in demand. But it may also trigger a feeling of fear of failure. And then your stress levels really rise and can lead you to hating your job, your manager and your boss, because you may feel that you're being taken for granted. But yet, because of how you perceive the demand and the people demanding can increase the emotional stress. Just like a catch-22. So all of the fear that you now feel may trigger another emotion, anxiety and anger. So you can see where the two types of stress are related, but yet different at the same time. So the question then is, how do we deal with these areas? How do we deal with this level of stress? So so basically, when it comes to managing stress, we might begin by making simple or small changes in our life. I'm going to give you I'm going to give you eight. That might be helpful to you. So one, find a balance, structure your time between work, family, fun and personal. Two, be kind to yourself. Knowing yourself and that you are not weak just because you feel stress is vitally important. Three, trust somebody. Learn to have at least one person, preferably outside of the family, that you can trust 100%. Now, usually this can be a therapist because they're not involved either in your relatives' lives or your work and they're not emotionally connected. So they're independent and neutral. Keep a journal. Very different now to a diary. It's about getting what is in your head outside of yourself so you can see it clearer. Number five, exercise regularly, but keep it balanced. Don't go overboard. Six, sleep well so that you wake up refreshed and relaxed and in control of your day. Seven, practice relaxation or mindfulness exercises. Now, these can teach you how to breathe slower. So that you can use it to stop the stress when it begins to rise in you. So that you remain in control. Eight. This one I do with all my clients from day one. Learn to schedule 15 minutes a day. So that over time you can use it to focus on issues that arise. Yet your brain has the knowledge that it's only 15 minutes. So it doesn't become overwhelming or add to your stress. It actually can be very beneficial. Stay safe, stay well, namaste.